Just say Peter. Peter. Yeah, no, he doesn't call him Peter. Oh, really? This is yeah. news to me. <laughs> <laughs> how, so, so you tricked me, Jorge. <laughs> I didn't know This that. is how it usually goes. I ask the same question. And say, Love begins at home. Love begins at home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Love Begins at Home. Today, we are talking about who knows what. <laughs> this, this episode's kind of just like a random free-for-all that we decided to do at the last minute. It's an impromptu free-for-all episode. Right. By the way, happy Easter. Happy, happy Easter, Easter, everyone. And that's why we're doing it like mm. this. Because Is it we're way? happy. We're happy and we want to talk about things that... Make us happy. Yeah. So, <laughs> maybe we're a little bit uh, excited because we've been fasting from certain things during the Lenten season and now we're able to maybe share... The joys of what we like to... It's like a ticking time yeah. bomb of just like explosion yeah. of joy and happiness. Yeah. And all, all of a sudden, things like that they we, can't be contained. That we really enjoy to do. But yeah. hopefully now, if we've been fasting from them, we we can see that they're ordered and we can order them rightly in our life. Uh, yes. If that's been something that's been holding us back. But um, yeah, so today we just kind of wanted to talk about things that we enjoy. But uh, we were talking about um, like media and movies that we enjoy or shows that we enjoy to watch, but more importantly, how they might attribute to our faith, how they connect or how they, um, maybe there are themes in there that we can really relate to by being faithful Catholics. So before we begin though, and really deep, deep, before we dive deeper into this episode, we'll start with a prayer so that the Holy Spirit may guide us. And yes, yes please. <laughs> please, Holy Spirit. Um, so let's go ahead and start with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, um, most of all, we thank you for this Easter season that we are in and for all of the, the great deeds and the great things that you have done for your people, especially with uh, the gift of your son for us and his resurrection and um, def- defeating death for all of us to be in heaven with you. Um, and we ask, Lord, that this time um, during this episode that it be uh, filled with joy and compassion and um, enjoyment and camaraderie so that we can just enjoy our time and uh, continue to live fully in your presence. And all these things we pray in your holy name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, guys, like, what was the first thing you wanted to do now that, you know, that the Easter season is here? What was the first thing you had to do or that you just wanted to do since Lent was over officially and you... Take a hot shower. <laughs> Take a hot shower. Take a hot shower. Okay. Yeah, that was my Lenten fast. It was wow. cold showers. Oh, man. Oh, man. It felt good. That's I horrible. remember when I did Exodus 90, I didn't do it before, like, in order to prepare for Easter, but I did it starting on September, mm-hmm. and it ended on Immaculate Conception. So, yeah, the last month, it's when it, it became, like, really difficult because it started getting, like, cold, and... Oh man, take a cold shower in a cold weather. It's just the worst, mm, man. Mm-hmm. Just the worst. I would I would get out of the shower, I would dry off, and then I'd have to go get under the covers to warm back up. <laughs> it's so cold. Like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap up like a taco. 
<laughs> yeah, there's nothing more manly than your wife telling you, oh, what was happening up there? I heard whimpering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was taking a cold shower. <laughs> yeah, cold shower. Saves on your water bill, though, right? I, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was the thing that you wanted to do first, take a nice, warm, hot shower. Yes, it was. <laughs> nice. Well, that's great. Jorge, what about you? What's, what's your go-to? Your first well, go-to? honestly, I didn't take like too much things that I didn't do on land, except for I started <laughs> swimming, but then I got sick, and then I stopped. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this is like a pretty... Very fruitful land in mm-hmm. like in terms of actions, mm-hmm. but I I really hope that in my heart <laughs> you could have done something different. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there was grace there. Conf- yeah, confessionals, confessionals. Man, this is this is going deep. <laughs> you had a do lint this year. <laughs> I, <didn't know> <laughs> I was telling everyone too, but I did not. Oh man, ice cube lint this year. Oh no no no! I took a, a gallon of ice cream every day. <laughs> Well, you know, the beautiful thing about Lent is that we were constantly reminded that even if you failed on one of your fasts or um, commitments that you made, you know, every day the Lord's mercy is new for us and we can just kind of pick up and and keep going. And it's not just for the Lenten season, though. It's for every day in our life. You know, we we try to, um, you know, work on our temper or work on being lazy or work on... um, you know, putting things off, whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, our sinfulness, our imperfections get the best of us sometimes. And so we're always reminded that God, he just is looking for us to do our best and to try every day. And every day is a new day. And so to have that mercy from God is awesome because without his mercy, where would we be? We'd be on an endless path going to nowhere or going down to a bottomless pit of Forever in a cold shower. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about that. So, The bottomless pit? No. (laughs) What do you think you will be doing now if you didn't know Christ? Like if you were not a Christian or if you you didn't have like a conversion, Mm -hmm. where do you think you'll be right now? Hmm. I don't want to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a interesting question. Um... I don't know. There's there were so many people that are in my life that have influenced me and have opened doors for me to be where I am, and so like my community is a huge part of who I am today, and um, you know, surrounded by good, holy, um, devout Catholic people in my life has really helped me to to be who I am today. So if I didn't have that type of foundation. I don't know. I think I think there are times in my own story. You were, you were a musician, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a metal band. Yeah, metal. Yeah. For those of y'all that don't know, I used to rock hard, playing drums all the time in in some <laughs> bands when I was in college and all that. So it was get a lot of fun. Sneaking out to get McDonald's. Oh yeah, if you heard <laughs> yeah. about that stuff from a previous episode. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> you may be I'm, traveling with Slipknot. Oh no, no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think I would have probably pursued music a little more um, because you know that was a passion of mine growing up, um, and I'm thankful that I can still use my musical talents, uh, especially at church. But um, I never thought I'd have a huge family like I do. You know? Yeah. Five kids right now, one on the way. So, like that has been an unexpected 
beautiful thing. Um, so maybe I thought for a long time growing up that I would be like this guy who didn't get married right away or even get married at all. I don't know. I would just kind of like live for myself, kind of like the prodigal son story, you know, you, you want to take what you own and you want to go out and live in the world and mm-hmm. just do your own thing and experience all that the world has to offer. I think we all have like a desire for that because we have to know before we commit to something that won't allow us to go and do things that the world says is good, but it's really not good. You know, that temptation of, are you, is what you're saying really true and really good? Or are you just trying to keep me from like having fun? You know, I think that's the mindset of most people. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's so true. My my wife and I like to binge TV shows, mm-hmm. um, not always wholesome TV shows. But uh, we were <laughs> we were watching How I Met Your Mother, and mm-hmm. we, we went through that mm-hmm. series. And I remember at the beginning of that show, throughout the first season, they're always meeting at the bar and just kind of talking. Mm-hmm. And there's there's so much um, sh- like camaraderie or just crazy things that are happening. They seem to like never be at work or anything like that. And I remember thinking like, man, that's really nice. Like I would like to have, you know, the freedom to go out whenever and, um, not be tied down at home or not Mm -hmm. be tied down at work and just go have a beer like every night. And, and my wife and I were talking about that, but then thanks be to God, we kind of came to our senses and we're like, well, no, like we know that that's not going to lead to ultimate fulfillment. Yeah, that may be fun for the time, yeah. but it's not fulfilling. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I that, totally Yeah, the reason I'm that. asking is is because you know, we are in this Easter season. Mm-hmm. And with Jesus resurrection, we are also invited um, to die or to leave the old self mm-hmm. and to become a, a new person, you know, right. to embrace the the, the renew uh, the new self. Um and be in God's image or follow him. So that's that's the only reason yeah. that I'm asking, like, uh, because now we see ourselves uh, in Easter, you are youth ministers, well, mm-hmm. the three of us were youth ministers, but what could have happened if at some point we didn't decide to, you know, choose God over everything, yeah. you know? and. Of course, you are like 50 years old. I'm 28. <laughs> <laughs> but there are teens that are listening to us right now. And it's it's a good moment for them to do like this U-turn, you know, to turn back from whatever you're doing and, and to take the advantage of this season of Easter and to say, hey, you know what? Let me leave all these things in the past and let me uh, try to put, put on the new self, the mm-hmm. new person, the new recent person. Enjoy uh, this Easter with Jesus. Become a new person. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I think that that's a that's a really great thing. And you know, <laughs> you asked that question. I'm like, man, I really, I'm I'm afraid to go back and think about like where I may be. <laughs> yeah, you may have no no shoes yet. But yeah, I, never, <laughs> I don't even own a pair of shoes. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> Compared to your 30 pairs of shoes yeah. that you yeah. own. I'm in a box right. somewhere <laughs> begging for shoes. You're still talking to your friend. That one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Possibly. But, um, uh, so, But I can pinpoint, though, when I had my true initial conversion and how that really set the trajectory for my life. And I was actually in high school. I was a senior in high school. And I remember everything just hit rock bottom for me. I, um, 
my girlfriend of two years at the time broke up with me like a week before my birthday. <laughs> that was fun. And then <laughs> um, I had my plan was to go to A and M. And if you listen carefully, you can hear the whooping. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, but <laughs> um, my plan was to go to A and M and be an engineer. That's what I wanted to be. And I didn't get into A and M like all around the same time. And I remember being at the top of the stairs after getting that rejection letter, having all this rejection in my life and just saying, I'm so tired of not being good enough for anyone. Mm. And I slammed my door and I slept on the floor because I cried myself to sleep. And um, I, I don't know if it was that night, but sometime recently I had this like weird dream where I was in the place of Moses and I was like leading people through the Red Sea and I remember the Egyptians were attacking and then I, um, uh, I was on the shore, but then the walls collapsed without the Israelites being completely out of there. And I remember in my dream going, God, what are you doing? Like your people are still out there. Mm. And so in, my, in this dream, I throw myself in the sea and I start pulling people out of the sea myself uh, until they were all, you know, safe. Yeah, safe. Mm. And. Uh, and it was, and I woke up and I was like, that's not a normal dream. Like, that's really, really weird. And, and so that led me to more prayer and like having all this rejection, I had nothing left but God. Mm -hmm. And I began praying more. I began, uh, asking what I should do. And I had gotten into TCU, but I had no plans of going there because I had gotten in as an engineering major. All of a sudden, I found that I didn't want to be an engineer anymore. I actually wanted to study the Bible. It was just weird. It came out of nowhere. Mm. And so, like, if I hadn't had that initial conversion, like, who knows where I would have, where I would be right now. Because if I didn't go to TCU, I wouldn't have got this job at St. Mark. And if I didn't get this job at St. Mark, I probably wouldn't have met my wife. And I wouldn't have met my wife. And I wouldn't have my kids. Like, it just, mm -hmm. I just, I just don't want to think about where I would be because yeah. it's like, my life is so good. It's like that because of our Lord. Yes. That yeah. is good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean, I love, that's one of my favorite movies is Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Yes. I love that trilogy. Um, it's just, you know, so, uh, what's the word? Nostalgic. Yes. You know? Yeah. Because uh, if you're my age or Brad's age, Jorge's age too, you've probably oh, seen the movie. We're the same age. Yeah, yeah. Brad and me. I'm we're the same age. Okay, good. I'm you're, ten yeah. years older now. Um, but yeah, that that concept of what if, like, where would you be if you made this decision mm. or this decision? And you know, I think that's a really cool point. I think that's the beauty about suffering as well, because when we do suffer or where we lose things that are dear to us or we think they're dear to us at the time, um, God reveals to us things that are much greater than we ever could have imagined. Um, because me too, Brad, like I, I had a big conversion because I was rejected because I was, you know, I thought I was, you know, in love with this girl I was dating at the time. Similar story, mm -hmm. you know, we broke up and I was so mad you know, at, at God, because why would he do this? You know, we, I thought we were getting, you know, going to go far together. I thought we were going to be together, whatever. Um, and, uh, so those, those times in your life where you feel like you're experiencing a lot of distress and a lot of loneliness or abandonment, you know, those times 
we feel like we have nowhere else to go. And, you know, you turn back to God, which says a lot about who God is and how much he loves us because every one of us will come to that part, like will come to a road like that in our life where we feel like we've been let down or we've been abandoned by people that we really love. And who, who do we look for to, uh, to show us how to deal with that or to show us how to live is Jesus. You know, Jesus experienced all these same things that you and I experienced, the abandonment, the betrayal, the, um, the misunderstanding, the lack of love, whatever it may be. But he shows us through what he did um, and giving himself, giving of himself to others, um, that we we really understand how to love people and and how God's love is for us. And so I think we all are going to experience this prodigal son story in some shape or fashion. Some it might be really extreme. Some might might be a little version of that. But um, those moments in our life should always point us back to something bigger than ourselves. And for me, I, I feel that, that that answer is God. You know, God has a plan for you, as it says in Scripture. Um, and things don't always pan out the way you think they're going to be, but God's plan for you is much greater than whatever you could imagine. So, Jorge, what about you? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess Would like... Would you still have 30 pairs of shoes if you hadn't yeah. had an initial conversion? Yeah. 26 pairs of shoes. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh... Well, as I think, like you too, I grew up as a cradle Catholic, uh, but I never had like a big moment of conversion, like something really bad happened, and then I was like, oh, okay, Jesus is away. I never had, I don't recall having like a moment like that. I only remember having like a, a story with my mother. Like I was Catholic, of course, and I believe in Jesus, but I was lazy to pray, and I didn't like to, you know, to go to mass or something, not because I didn't love Jesus or it's just because I was a teenager. I was 10 years old, 11 or something. And it was, we used to go like 10 a.m. mass. So I had to walk, wake up at eight o'clock on a Sunday. It was like, oh, dang. Yeah, I, I like this context, whatever. It just, I want to do it on my own terms, you know. So one time I remember I was deciding or discerning to which uh, high school uh, go to and by the time we tried to decide my parents and I the time is it was already passed you know the deadline so I couldn't register to any of the high schools so my mother took me to the chapel and very angry well kind of my mother and I had we had kind of like the same temperament or character uh so she was like go sit down and pray to Jesus. <laughs> you know, as, as Mexican mothers, they can be like really uh, strong. And, and she was like, you are going to sit down and you're going to ask Jesus, where does he want you to be? I'm like, of course, as a teenager that has conflicts with her, his mother, I will do totally the opposite of that. So I just, uh, she asked me to kneel and I just sit down, cross my arms and didn't say a word at all. I was just staring. And my mother, I remember, remember seeing my mother kneeling and praying. Uh, mad at me, of course, but she was, she was still praying. Uh, <laughs> and, and we were the only ones at the church. It was like at 2 p.m. on the day. And uh, I remember I, in my mind, I said something like, Jesus, 
my mother wants me to pray to you. Okay. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Like, okay, my mother wants me to do this, whatever. Uh, do whatever you want with my life. Something very simple. And like, yeah. Well, it turns out like three days after, uh, and like I got a, a position, like a, like a, a vac vacant on a high school that I really liked and I really wanted to go. And I didn't have to, well, in Mexico, you have to do a lot of procedures and make long lines on different days and whatever and have to spend, you need to spend the whole day registering, whatever. I didn't have to go through all of that. I just went to the first day of classes on one of the best groups. And, you know, it was, it was really nice. So that's one thing that kind of got into my mind. And every now and then when I'm like in the middle of something that I don't know what to do, I always remember my mother telling me, go to the church or kneel down and ask Jesus what he wants to do from your life. Mm -hmm. Is it that forceful? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because of course I don't say, I do not say anymore in that tone, hmm. but, but it is my go-to, you know, Jesus, I'm very lost. I don't know what to do right now. So I will go to the church. I'll go to chapel and Jesus my mother tells me <laughs> to tell you what to do with my life. And, and it's a thing that I started applying what, while I was in high school, college. And since I never had like a really point of conversion, but I, I, I was, was like surrounded by God blessing. And he always showed me very clearly what he wanted uh, from me. Uh, I remember... Um, I, I'm going to say another story. I remember on 2013, I went to the World, World Youth Day in Rio de, de Janeiro, Brazil. And it was the first time that Pope Francis had an encounter with the youth. And I remember being on the, uh, on the seashore. It's called Copacabana. And miles away from my, my home, So it was, we fly from, from where I'm from to Mexico City, from Mexico City to Peru, from Peru to Rio de Janeiro. And we spent, you know, days, nights over there. We went to other places. And then we finally got to the, the event that it was in the seashore. Uh, two million people went to that event. And until I got to the seashore, on the, the Copacabana, the, the beach, I was like, I realized, like, wait, wait where I'm right now. And I just kind of like panic. I, I just started freaking out because I was like, this is not my home. Uh, the, and everyone's speaking different languages, Portuguese mm -hmm. and people from other countries speaking whatever other languages. I was like, this is not my home. My parents are not even close to me. There's no one here to save me. Something happens to me. And, and I remember, it just... I think it was God's grace that he, uh, that I felt very thankful. And at the moment, uh, a Hispanic artist was singing a song that says, thank you, Father, or thanks, Father, uh, for blessings, whatever. So I kneeled down in that moment in the seashore, and I just opened my arms and started praying and crying like a baby because it was like, wow, you brought me all the way from my little small town, almost a ranch, In deep in Mexico, you brought me all the way to Rio de Janeiro from all the possible, you know, teenagers that could have come. Mm -hmm. I was not a teenager more. I was a young adult. But from all the possible young adults that could have come, you chose me 
to be here. And it was just like a really moment of enlightening to me where I felt called. And I still feel called by, by Jesus, you know. Uh, and, you know, I have many of those experiences throughout the years. Not, again, not like a conversion thing, but just a lot of love moments that Jesus has shown me that he, he, he calls me. He calls me to be his disciple, his friend, and... So yeah, I, I, again, I, I might be silly when I ask you what your life could have been without knowing Jesus because I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, and I don't want to because I'm just terrified of what could have happened if I didn't have those precious moments that just get me closer to the heart of Jesus. And I'm thinking as we enter into this Easter season to all of us recall our initial conversion or that, that moment that we finally just felt loved by God, you know, despite all the rejection that we faced and just kind of relive that and remember that, that, that joy, uh, which is the same joy that the apostles had when they discovered the risen Christ, mm. you know, that they, they felt alone. They felt that they were completely abandoned and they didn't know where to go or what to do. They just were lost. And then all of a sudden, every fear they had was just completely washed away by an encounter with the risen Lord. And that's what Easter is about. Yeah. And I think we tend to forget this, but every time we celebrate Mass, it is an Easter... Uh, we celebrate the resurrection. And so, you know, the, the things that you experience during the week, all those hardships that you may go through... You know, we're called to in, embrace and in, in encounter Christ uh, as he is risen at Easter when we're at the Mass, too. Um, you know, Jorge, I have a very similar experience to you when I went to World Youth Day for the first time in Spain. Oh, in Spain. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It, I mean, the, the, most of the trip was amazing, but um, just the country wasn't prepared for how many people were coming and the uh, the area where they had the uh, the closing mass was like a desert, like literally a desert. There was no trees. It was we were on dirt. Mm. Um, they had you know they had porta potties for everyone, but you know not enough for people. I mean, it was so hot. It was like Texas heat there. Um, you know, they give you certain amounts of food and water. And once you were out, like, that was it. So, like, people were getting sick. People were dehydrated. Um, lots of girls in our camp had gotten, like, a stomach bug before we got there as well. I get so, a stomach bug, too, really? when I was flying through. Yeah. Uh, so, like, so, everyone's throwing up and... <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it was. It was like that's crazy. It was like, yeah, I, I mean, it was. It was Wretch. crazy, man. You, you think about going to some, you know, somewhere to live your faith and and be with others and and just have a. But I mean, it truly was a pilgrimage. I mean, it wasn't like, oh yeah, we're kicking back the whole time, enjoying all these nice fancy sights, and then we're gonna go celebrate mass and we're going back home. No, I mean, it was. It was a hard-fought battle at times with our yeah. group. It was really intense. But I felt, you know, there was a lot of suffering. It was like the Paschal Mystery. I mean, <laughs> we experience this all the time. Like, we suffer, we have to die to ourselves, and then we rise with Christ in some way or fashion. And 
it hit me too. And it was, it's funny because it's during a song, you know, we're, we're all attending this mass and our camp sick other, everyone else around is like, they're in the kind of same position we are. You know, they don't even have enough communion to give to everyone. Like we didn't even get communion when we were uh, at the mass, but it was during communion, you know, they were, they were switching off languages as to what to sing. And then, um, they sang, here I am Lord in English. And you know, that's one of the most common hymns that we have in the Catholic church, at least in the English language. And it was a hymn that I always sang growing up and it brought me immense comfort. And cause at that time I felt like similar to you, I'm all alone. My family's back home. You know, our group People could be dying. I don't know. I mean, they're <laughs> yeah. definitely ill. Any one person, one person had to get uh, put into an ambulance and get admin- IVs. Yep, administered Dang. IVs. I mean, it was that bad. And we even had like professional nurses with us that had gotten overheated. I mean, and and dehydrated. It was a crazy situation. But you know, everyone came out okay. And but that moment, you know, gave me a lot of peace and hope. But at the same time. Realizing how many people were there because they love Jesus and they they embrace that universe universe university no universality is that a word that sounds right the universal part of our church recognizing that this Catholic faith that we hold true to is everywhere and we need to keep, continue to help it grow and um help the fire burn and you know keep bringing people to to that truth of the beauty of the catholic faith so which is our call right on easter yeah. jesus that's exactly his words he calls us to to be his messengers mm-hmm. um i know we're supposed to talk about something funny and more like whatever <laughs> but i just have these um reading in my heart that I really love so much and it's on Easter. It's one of my favorite, if not my really favorite part of scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's the walk of uh, Emmaus. 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 Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. Very dif- very different from Spanish. In Spanish you say Emmaus and in English no. Emmaus. Emmaus. Anyways. So one of my favorite things about this <laughs> uh, part of the scripture is that these two disciples are going back from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and it made me think, like, uh, as they, they were discussing and arguing, like, they were very sad and discouraged, like, mm-hmm. oh, dang, we really believe in this man. We hope that this man would have been, you know, the savior, whatever. And the first thing that comes to my mind is that they're going back to what they were before meeting Jesus. And it's, I brought it just because we're talking about that, you know, like, what could be what we could be uh, if we never met Jesus, you know? And sometimes that's something that's happened to us whenever we are discouraged and whenever we feel betrayed by Jesus or ignore. Uh, we try to go back to the things where our life be, be you know, before... We go to what we know and what we're comfortable, we're comfortable with. with. Yeah, yeah, before meeting Jesus. So they were going back to Emmaus. Uh, I'm not saying that that was the reason, you know, but it seems like... And they were kind of like dis- uh, discussing, arguing, and the most beautiful thing that I love from that, that I like from here is that uh, 
it says Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So he kind of like reached them out. Like he was waiting at a certain point. Okay, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Okay, it's my turn. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? And they were starting, you know, venting. Oh, these men, how do you know? How do you not know? There was this uh, really good man to die, whatever. And he becomes a friend on, on, on the way. You know, he becomes uh, a companion. And he listens. Even when he knows everything, he listens. And... Uh, he lets you vent so that it's kind of like for me uh, um, like not a metaphor but like a representation of uh, the tabernacle you know we mm. go there we go to Jesus in the, in the sacrament of the Eucharist and even when he knows everything he becomes a companion a friend to us and he joins us in our sad moments in our whatever we're feeling and anyways the rest of the story is like, uh, he says, well, okay, see you guys later. And they are like, no, wait, why don't you come to us? You know, the day is almost... Uh, yeah, come with us. Come. We need to eat. Yes, right. and, and, and they recognize him when he was... Uh, breaking the bread. Breaking the bread. And they have this beautiful, beautiful uh, thing that say... Just as long as I can find it. Where our heart's not, not burning, burning within, within us. Yes. That's, it's just like, how many times, like you just said it, uh, you, on the song of um, Here I Am or me in the middle of the seashore, mm -hmm. just listening and re realizing that I'm not near my family or anywhere. But my heart was burning, mm -hmm. you know. And, and I think this is, a, this is like a really accurate uh, depiction depiction of our daily daily life our life is it's a walk to Emmaus or mm. like a walk a constant road a pilgrimage as you said you went to a pilgrimage mm -hmm. to Spain I went to a pilgrimage to Brazil it's a pilgrimage to heaven and sometimes we might be discouraged with uh, Jesus but Jesus uh, recent Jesus he waits for us he knows us, he uh, reaches us, and, and, and he becomes a friend, a companion on the road, on, on the way. And I don't know, I just felt like it, it had to be mentioned this season of Easter because mostly we're going to listen to it on the next Sundays. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think what's significant. Brad, you should have like a f super Bible fact <laughs> or something on this. Uh, well, I think what's significant about it is that Jesus walks with them in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. They're they're going away from where they should be. And Jesus meets them on the road and doesn't tell them like, hey, turn around. He walks with them a whole day's journey in the wrong direction. And then at one point they encounter him and recognize him and then they turn back. And just the patience and the love that Jesus has for these disciples, meeting them where they are literally and accompanying them and never once trying to coerce or force them back to where they needed to be, even though it was good for them. But Jesus knows it was better that they come to that on their own. And Jesus guides them in that without being so, hey, turn back around. You know, you're going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's just, that's our Lord. And he's never going to make decisions for us. 
He's never going to force us to do something. Um, you know, sometimes he w- is very clear about what he wants, but a lot of times he just simply walks with us until we encounter him. And then we're like, oh, I'm going the wrong way because our hearts are burning within us. Because he was explaining the scripture. He was giving them consolation. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, then, and I think that's another thing too that I always take out of that because I'm very quick. You know, people ask questions like, oh, let me tell you what I know. <laughs> and um, and it's just it's just me talking. There's just so much pride there. And I think what Jesus is great there is he he doesn't insert himself until the disciples really kind of inquire of him, and he waits for those opportunities. He's not so quick to you know spew this knowledge, which is truth, but he he recognizes where they are. And he, he sees their hearts, and that's when he speaks. He doesn't just jump in and try to say, well, let me tell you what I know, or let me tell you the truth, and not have any sort of understanding of where they are. Because it was an emotional time. You know, the, the disciples say there in, in Luke chapter 24 that they, we thought that this guy was the Messiah, and we followed him you know, for three years. And most scripture scholars think that this is uh, Clopas and his wife are the two disciples that are walking. Mm. And so they're, they're going the, the opposite way after, after that. And, and Mary, uh, the wife of Clopas, was at the, the cross. And so it was an emotional time. And so they, they went there. Yeah, they went there for the Passover. They went there to, you know, with Jesus. And all of a sudden he's dead. And they're just like, well, what do we do now? Well, I guess we go back home. You know, what else is there? And Any, I'm sorry. And if you look on... Uh, the chapter or the passive passage when Peter is reunited with all the seven seven other disciples and he, they are, you know, and I don't know where they are, but he says like, guys, I'm going fishing. Yeah. yeah. And he goes and, back to what he's comfortable with. Yes. That's, it's, it's a same, it's a parallelism. It's, is that a word? Yeah. yeah. Parallel. Yeah. Parallel. It's parallel because he's going back to the things that he know what, like, the things that he knows uh, to do yeah. before and, meeting Jesus. So he went back to be to to be a fisherman, right. you know. And and the worst thing about that is that the other seven disciples follow him, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me reflect on how many times I go back to the things that I used to be before meeting Jesus. But it's not only on me anymore. Well, that's, you know? that's the temptation of Easter, is to go back to what we're comfortable with. We've, we've walked this journey. We've, we've stuck with it, hopefully, throughout Lent. And then finally, there is this rejoicing. There is this happiness that comes, and there's no longer this suffering. But the temptation is always to go back to what we're comfortable with as, so as to never experiencing Lent at all. Like, we go mm. back to where we were before Lent. Like, that's not the purpose. So the temptation is always to go back to what we were comfortable with. Mm. You know, I, I find it interesting, though, that, you know, we go back to what we're comfortable with, but I, I think we don't fully realize sometimes that whatever we're comfortable with has, I think it, it speaks to the talents we have. You know, Peter was a talented fisherman. He was good at it, right? I don't know. He never caught any fish without Jesus, at least in well, scripture. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So maybe he wasn't a talented fisherman. But it was his trade. It was what he knew how mm-hmm. to do, right? He, that was like what he knew how to do. Um, and But Christ fulfills what he 
was able to do but made it so much better when right. he was with him, right? He wasn't just fish a fisherman. He was a fisher of men, yeah. right? But it's like, you know, you're, you're asking me this question, what would you do without Jesus or if you didn't know him? Like, would I be this, you know, would I be this musician trying to make it big, you know, like trying to use my talent or what I know how to do um, to fulfill my life? Um, and, you know, I did have dreams of that. I had dreams of, like, you know, hitting it big and touring and, like, having a, a great life like that, uh, being famous maybe. But, you know, having the experiences of, like, having Jesus involved in my musical gifts and bringing me more into the church has been something, like, just something I never expected. And so without Christ in that, in, in that journey for me, it, it would be totally different, you know? Yeah, so. and I think you're hitting just a major point because going back to this passage of the scripture, whenever Jesus is on the seashore and they are like, oh, it's, it's, it's the Lord. And, and they are, he's preparing breakfast for them. And that's when, when uh, Jesus asked uh, the three questions now, See, I'm going gonna, I'm yeah. gonna to seal your title of Bible Brad for you now. Go for it. But Here, you can even use my Bible. There you go. <laughs> can anyone of you? Can John you, chapter can, 21. That's where you're going. Can you tell me go. what are the three questions that Jesus tells? Do you love me? But how does... Will you feed my... Yeah, but... My sheep, feed, feed my, my sheep. I know. But how does What's he your question? call them? <laughs> Simon, son of Jonah. Oh, but you should have said Peter. So I can just say Peter. Peter. Yeah, no, he doesn't call him Peter. Oh, really? This is yeah. news to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you tricked me, Jorge. <laughs> so I didn't know This that. is how it usually goes. I ask the same question and say, people say, oh, oh, Peter, Peter, do you yeah. love me? Yeah. And I was like, no. Simon, he doesn't call him Peter because Peter means rock. But Simon means, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but correct, uh, Simon means like breakable. Like mm-hmm. uh, something like that, like a real, uh, like a fragile, st- fragile. Yeah. So whenever Jesus is addressing this man, he's not addressing the rock, the strong man. He's addressing the fragile, the breakable, the, the, the sensitive mm-hmm. Simon, you know, and, and he's healing him. Uh, another Bible fact, whenever Simon denies Jesus, he's in front of a fire pit. Mm-hmm. And the other second time that the fire pit appears in the on the scripture is when Jesus is uh, asking him these questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's also like another parallel moment, yeah. mm-hmm. and and he's addressing the fragile man. Do you love me? Do you love me? So it's more like a reflection, like to take off all, all of your titles, all of your things that you know make some, you who you are. You yes. feel like. In, in in your vulnerability, your vulnerability, vulnerability, yeah. vulnerability. Yeah. Yes, say it. <laughs> it. That's when Jesus addresses you, same as the disciples of Emmaus. You know where they were sad when you're fragile. most vulnerable. Yeah, he calls you in those moments, and and I don't know. It's it's just a, a beautiful fact mm. uh, how he chooses to call him Simon because before that he just called him Peter all the time, right? Right, Peter, 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 and at some point, you remember just to switch the name, Simon. Wait, what? Why are you calling me Simon? I'm Peter, not Simon anymore. You changed my name. Hmm. Yeah, but he's not trying to see the strong man. He's trying to address the fragile man that sins, that denies him, that, you know, I don't know. It's just a beautiful moment. 
Well, why don't we, for the last minutes of this episode, let's now focus on just fun facts and hypothetical. Hypothetical. More hypothetical. Hypothetical stuff. Brad, can you lead us in this section? What is Jesus' favorite type of ice cream? (laughs) I mean, would it be white? Would it be just bland vanilla? I can't think so. Ben, you had a you had a uh, theory. Yeah, you had a theory. Yeah, I mean, I always refer this flavor of ice cream to be sort of like a uh, trinitarian or a some sort of favorite. Don't say cherry. Cream. No, 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 no. Okay. What's trinitarian about cherry? Yeah, come on, Jorge. So we know the Trinity is three in one, right? Okay. So if you take a look at Neapolitan ice cream. That's three flavors, but it's considered <laughs> one. But that's modalism, and that's yeah, really not that's heretical. <laughs> that's heretical. Jesus would not like that no. ice cream. <laughs> like the three-leaf heresy. Like the clover. Like the clover. <laughs> we can't teach that to the kids. No. But anyways, I, I, I do enjoy Neapolitan ice cream. Three of the most, I guess, famous flavors. The original flavors. Chocolate, the original three, yeah. Chocolate, strob, and vanilla. Vanilla. Mm. I know what Jesus' ice cream will be. Oh, no. No, 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 for real. What? Okay. Uh, a fruit Milky from... Milky white? <laughs> no, a fruit from the fig tree. <laughs> Figgy pudding? Figgy pudding. <laughs> I don't know. Figgy pudding ice cream. Figgy pudding. Is that why that we sing... Bring us some figgy pudding and we wish you a Merry Christmas. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Although, just a side. Have you tried the the fruit of the fig? Like a fig? No. I've had a fig Newton. Well, in Spanish, it's called ego. And it's... it's, it's, it's Ego? Ego? Not like ego. ego. No. No. Ego. Ego. But with H. Spell it. H-I-G-O. Higo. Higo? But don't say he. Yeah, you don't pronounce the H. Okay, but you sound like you're saying eagle or evil. Well, well, this is Spanish. Evil fig. <laughs> no, okay. but it's it's a very sweet fruit. Okay, uh, it's a very sweet fruit, mm. and it's part of the fig tree. Yeah, you know. Uh, so I don't know. Since the fig tree appears so much in the Bible, mm. yeah, but he cursed the fig tree. <laughs> oh, yo! I also cursed the chocolate because I love it so much. No, but Jesus but it cursed me. He says, May you never bear fruit again." There is no fig chocolate ice cream. Well, you ask my to Jesus. We will never have it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Well, okay, well, another hypothetical question, Brad. Jesus was a Jedi. <laughs> what color would his lightsaber be? <coughs> would he even need a, a lightsaber? I don't know. See, I think he would be, like, really in tune with the well, Force. Would it be only, like, one side, double side? I don't think he'd have a double side lightsaber. Mm. I think that's too flashy for him, <laughs> for, for sure. Mm. But, no, I think he'd be more in tune with the Force. I've thought about this a lot, in case you haven't told... Uh, can tell. But I really think it'd be white. white. And I only say this because I was at a Bosco conference and we were doing a um, Ignatian meditation where they were just, you know, just imagine yourself walking with Jesus, you know, and like what sort of things are happening. So every time I tried to imagine myself walking with Jesus, you know, I'd start off in this, you know, meadow or these trees and we were walking this trail and then every time I was in a Jedi robe in the temple (laughs) (laughs) I tried like three or four times and eventually in my meditation I just turned to Jesus and I'm like Jesus I'm sorry but I can't imagine us being anywhere but the Jedi temple have you seen this meme about uh, uh, abuelita or uh, like a lady just no having this (laughs) <laughs> this portrait. Oh, yes, and she's like, it's Jesus, Ed. but it's Ian McGregor. She, is only yeah. one yes. <laughs> she thinks that it's Jesus, but it's Ian McGregor. I, I know, it's so funny. 
But I'm like, in my meditation, I'm like, Jesus, I'm sorry. Uh, and he's like, it's okay. We can be Jedi for a while. I'm like, yes. Yeah. And so it was like this beautiful the meditation because I remember in this meditation, using my imagination, I kind of just felt Jesus say, look, you pray, but you don't like really put your heart into it. Like you go through the motions and I need you to, to focus and really give of yourself to me when you pray. That's what I want from you. And, and so it got to the end of the meditation. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I wait, 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 Jesus, what color is your lightsaber? <laughs> and, and my meditation just goes white. Like, like it was, I should know. Yeah. <laughs> so I have it on not so great authority that Jesus's lightsaber is white. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I will say the same color white. Mm-hmm. You said black earlier. Yeah, well, because I saw the Mandalorian and... The and black saber? The black, the dark saber? Yeah, you think Jesus saber. would wield the dark saber? I don't know. It really, it, it really looked very cool. And I thought, oh, that's cool. But white is also good. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Those are all the hypotheticals I have because those are the only ones that Bring I... Bring something I, about the Lord these, of the Rings. These one, <laughs> those two questions keep me up at night. What is Jesus' favorite type of ice cream? And what mm. is his true color for his lightsaber? Mm. Who personifies Jesus in the Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's such a loaded question. It's like every character because you've got Gandalf who is like being reincarnated, mm. you know, after he dies and he comes back to like finish his task. Reincarnated. Right. Which is not another Catholic teaching. Not a Catholic not. teaching. Well, but, but the Lord Tolkien, of the Rings. Tolkien doesn't use the word reincarnated. Right, right, right. Yeah, he comes no. back. And then, because uh, he's not really reincarnated, he just comes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then... He's Gandalf the White. He's Gandalf the White, which actually is because he takes Sauron's power. So you have... Or Saruman. Saruman is Saruman the White. White. But then in the book, it says, well, he comes back as Saruman. Because um, that's who... Because it even says, like, Saruman as he should be. Mm. Like, that's oh, what he comes back as. That's interesting. Right. And then, But then you have Frodo, who carries the ring... And he's the burden. The burden. Yeah. He's carrying all. And then you have, and then you have Aragorn, who's the king. Well, people. And so like Jesus is like everywhere. In yeah. The well, accordingly <laughs> to a lot of theories, <laughs> Aragorn is the one that depicts Jesus, like mm-hmm. the figure of Jesus. Yeah. Except when he's married or something, but yeah. Well, Jesus is married. He's got the bride. His yeah. church. His he's church. The, he's the groom. Right. Yeah. So. Oh, just yeah. For the people that, that you don't know, The Lord of the Rings is a great trilogy uh, written by a very Catholic uh, writer. And even though it doesn't like literally depicts scripture or something, it's Catholic based. Or I don't know how, I don't even know well, how Tolkien, to explain it. Tolkien really has a, because I'm reading a little bit more of Tolkien right now, I'm, I'm reading one of his other stories, The Children of Huron. And it's really written like a Greek tragedy. Mm. And um, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were really good friends. And it's really interesting to their writing style. So Tolkien writes in the style of really the kind of the Greek literature is the story flows, but it's very uh, segregated, you know. And so it's kind of like then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And, um, and he doesn't really put emphasis on allegory like that's not the purpose that he writes and so you can pull it out of it because he was so catholic that he just can't help but write those morals and those ideologies into his writing but that's not the purpose of his writing whereas c.s lewis always wrote with the intention of yeah it being an allegory you can tell that you can tell that aslan is Mm -hmm. is, right jesus figure yeah and that's that was actually one of the Again, super nerd fact here. That was a point of disagreement that they had was 
should they use their writing, their literature to be very blatant about their their views, their Christian views, or should it kind of be hidden within the, the literature? So that was something they differed on. Hmm. Interesting point. And you can really that. see that when you read both of them. Yeah. They're very, very different styles of writing. Well, now that Easy Sir, I think I'm going to watch it again, the trilogy. Oh, you should. Yes. I've always wanted to watch the extended versions. Do, do any, oh, I watched it. Yeah, last year. y'all have that? My father-in-law has it, and when I met it's my a, wife, she, she is, to this day, she has not seen a theatrical cut of The Lord of the Rings. So she only knows extended the version. extended versions. Mm. I think it's on, on Hulu, I think. The extended versions? Yes, I watched it the last year. I got to check that out. It's pretty cool. There's some really cool stuff see in there. The stuff, yeah. yeah. There's some other stuff, and you're sitting there like, I can see why they cut this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so it is the Easter season, and we do want to celebrate in the risen Lord. Um, but as Brad mentioned, we don't want to go back to you know, what makes us comfortable or that temptation to slide back there. We want to be renewed in Christ Jesus. And so as we go forth from here today, you know, um, just inviting Christ in every part of your life is, I think, the best way that we can, we can make that happen, to not slip back into the temptations we've had or the, comfortable, the comfortableness of what we um, have in our lives to go to if we feel like we're, you know, in some sort of trial or some sort of suffering but to have Christ there with us and to invite him into our life um, and all of it. So why don't we close in prayer and we will sign off today. Um, Jorge and Brad, maybe I can tag team this final prayer. Okay. You take a word, I'll take a word. We'll just go back and forth. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You do half the prayer and I'll just jump in whenever you pause. Okay. Don't make it awkward. (laughs) In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Thank you because you died for us on the cross, but you also uh, resurrected for, for us so we can have eternal life. Enjoy, join with you this eternal life. Please help us know the way. Um, help us to know how to get it, uh, to heaven, how to be more like you. And also thank you because you're a really good friend on the way, on, the, on this pilgrimage that we call life. You are a friend that listens to us, that um, uh, joins us in, in our emotions, in our feelings. Uh, but ultimately, you reveal to us that, that you are with us, that, that you were the one. And that's why our hearts uh, are burning for you. Lord, we just thank you so much for walking through us, uh, walking with us through this Lenten season and into the Easter season. Lord, we ask that uh, we will be forever changed by your grace and encounters with you, the the risen Christ, Lord, may you come more deeply into our lives and that when we are tempted to go back to comfort, Lord, that we will look to you because as St. Pope John Paul II said, we were not made for comfort, we were made for greatness. And Lord, we just ask that you continue to lead us into that greatness, into your glory and your divinity. In your name we pray, amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today, everyone, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Spotify. We're going to write it down for you, Ben. Mm. No, <laughs> and, and, and also share it with your friends and family and everyone. You know, mm-hmm. don't, As Jesus just called us on Easter to be his messengers, to spread the, the good news. 
Be a messenger for this podcast. Yeah, be a messenger for this podcast, too. Come on. Help us a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I hope you have a good Easter week. And we'll see you next time. God bless. Yeah. God bless. God bless. God bless.